So I think we should just acknowledge that uh, this is not the first time we've recorded this episode. It's not, but I think we should also acknowledge that we are sharing responsibility for this. We are, yes. So we're a team. Okay. Shout out to 40. Um, so we we accept that it's if it's one of us, it's both of us. So we're going to redo it and here we are. And unfortunately for you, we actually tried to get this scheduled out in terms of giving you a lot of preparation, but we've committed to having this live tomorrow. So let's do it. I'm a hard Again, worker. thanks for the coffee, 40. So even though it's the second time recording this, I had to make sure that you guys had something to listen to. Hi there, guys. Martin here. And welcome to episode 46 of the Startup Diary, where in this episode, we're going to be digging in a bit more about our second round of funding. I've already forgotten all these questions. It's not as if I even remember <laughs> That's good. Them, That's it's good. been like a week. Okay, so... The second round of funding for us was down to a factor that we needed to decide what sort of company we wanted to build. So the first round was through angels. When you say angel money, it has it has a different impact on the business to what VC money does. So with angel money, they're investing. They invested in me, the founder, to kind of do as I see fit with the business because they believe that we build something that's going to grow into a profitable business so they see a return. And that's not kind of different to what a VC wants, but they, they're they a lot more rigorous with timeframes, how it's done, um, growth of the business, and mainly it's to help it scale. So we could have kept with the existing plan and just taken profits generated from the business and slowly grew the team out. But the problem was is the company was naturally growing quicker than I was able to cope. Hiring was a problem. And there was this weird gap there was this whole situation of we haven't got enough uh, revenue profit in the business at this point in time to make the requirements, the hiring requirements that we need, yet the workload is now too much for the current team that we have. So we knew we needed extra money um, to grow it. And then the deciding the decision to make was, do we go back to angels or do we go down the VC route? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I answered your first question, which was the deciding factor for us on doing the round was because... Um, we knew the business could grow quicker than what it was currently growing if we had more staff. So we decided that we'd do around heavily just around getting the right team in. One thing that you usually touch on is this, uh, I like to call the 120% rule, Yep. which is when you say that, you know, you can work as much as possible, but then you, when you get to that point where it's just a bit too much, yep. is were you at that point, did you think about investing before that or was it? did you get to that point and then look at VC? Yeah, and that 120 is kind of just like me being easier on you guys more than anything. <laughs> so it was kind of the whole team was working silly hours, putting in silly amounts of effort. Um, so we'd, we'd kind of gone far past that. We were working long days. We still do, uh, but we're working long days. Um, so as a general rule of thumb, I didn't want to hire anyone until we physically couldn't have the hours in the day to get the job done. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, we kind of passed that already. Now, there are a lot of different options available when it comes to funding, so let's jump straight into it and hear what made Adam want to start a second round of funding in the first place, and what factors went into that decision. So, it wasn't always in the plan to get on a VC. Um, we thought initially bootstrapping through consulting, 12 days a month doing consulting, 18 days, well, the rest of the month basically spent building the business out. Uh, that became a distraction, so we did the seed round. But when we decided to actually make the plunge into VC, it's because we understood that as a me and the initial um, team, as well as the initial investors, 
we didn't want to build a lifestyle business. So something that was just uh, growing, providing a nice salary for myself as it grows. Um, we didn't want to do that. Uh, I know that we could have kept on doing that. And then over the next three, five years, it would have increased my salary to a nice point. It would have provided a nice lifestyle for me. But we wanted to really create something that was kind of shaking up the industry. And to do that, you need funding. Um, you need to be on this kind of growth path. You can't just trickle along largely because we operate in a, in a kind of a tech space now. And it doesn't take much for someone to come along, see the idea, raise a few rounds of funding and then be direct competitors to us. Our kind of um, defensibility was our community. Uh, but if we kind of trickled along and just put the profits back into the business and then hired one person every three to six months, I mean, you've seen what we've done in the last 12 months mm. with the team that we've got and we've made massive leaps forward. Um, the decision to go down VC was purely because we proved out there was an opportunity in the market and to really hit scale and, and kind of take it to where it needs to go. Uh, we needed four or five extra people to help us do that, specialize in certain areas of the business. And we decided to raise a round, a formal round through through VC. And that was a decision because we now know um, we need to scale at a certain pace. And that kind of comes down from the pressure of taking VC money. Because just to, for everyone that doesn't know the difference between an angel and VC is an angel, it's their money. They're normally wealthy individuals that want to cut a check and be involved in a startup because they believe in it. Whereas a VC, they raise um, they raise a fund. So a 10-year fund normally, they go to a lot of wealthy individuals, wealthy investors, and they cut them checks. They put this into a pot. So there might be a 10, 20 million pound pot. And then it's the VC's job to distribute that money, kind of uh, deploy it into businesses where they think it's going to make a return over that 10-year period. That doesn't mean we have to sell the business in 10 years. It just means that the VCs need to get their equity out of the business and convert that into cash in that 10-year period. But because of that, every board meeting we go to, there's a lot of pressure to make sure that we're scaling at the rate that we need to. And that was the that was the decision of like Angel of VC. And because we wanted to create this big household name business, I kind of I was kind of looking forward to that extra pressure. It was kind of a leveling up procedure for me. Is that back to your sales experience as well? Sort of the, the idea of having more, not a target as such, but having uh, a lofty goal to work towards and, and keep plodding along because up to this point, that's exactly what you've been doing, you know? Yeah, exactly. So um, rather than it kind of just being at my own pace, it was really nice. Like the, the salesman in me likes KPIs, um, likes big, big targets. So uh, I knew we'd get that and that pressure would take in VC, but it's just that's sort of the thing that I enjoy. Okay. So let's uh, let's touch a little bit more about the your experience of the funding. So did you reach out to the funding body or did they reach out to you? How did it work? Yeah, so it's really interesting, actually. So when you decide to do a round, um, you basically create a pitch deck. So it's you love a, a good pitch deck. I love a good pitch deck. I love decks just generally. You can get so much through in a deck. Um, so we created a pitch deck, which was kind of this 10, 14, 16 page deck, which the idea of it's really simple. You highlight the problem that you see in the market, um, the pain it causes and the solution, and then why we're the perfect team to fix it. So highlighted the problem, we had traction, we had a good community, we had a good amount of users, um, and then we had a couple of ideas of how we wanted to fix this, and kind of big, big goals that we wanted to achieve. Um, so I sent that out to, I believe I sent it out to like three or four different VCs, and the trouble with the VCs is they'll never come to you, because they don't know whether you're funding, they don't know whether you're raising or anything like that, so you have to go and knock down some doors. So we sent it out to those, sent it out to existing angel networks and um, just started beating doors down, to be honest, um, because it, kinda, it can be a massive toll on time when you decide to raise a round. It can't be something that you do passively, mainly because we actually did it arse over tip. We did it the wrong way around. Uh, so we actually decided that 
we would do the hiring. The key question for us was, do we need to hire? Wasn't, do we need to raise a round through VC? We said, do we need to hire people to help us grow this business? And me and the uh, initial investor actually had this conversation and we said, yes. So regardless of whether we needed to raise a round or not, we went out and hired. We thought this business is going to grow month on month as it is now. And what does that look like in five years? And then if we hired everyone that we need today, what does it look like in five years? And it was just use the, the word of the month, uh, Martin. <laughs> I know what's coming. I'm looking forward to this What's one. the word of the month, Martin? Is it exponential growth? We would have exponential growth if uh, if we made the hiring now. So it wasn't whether we raise a round, really. Uh, just to be really honest, it was do we need to hire? And we said yes. So we said, okay, let's go and hire. So we hired. And then we went, let's go raise a round. Uh, so largely because we... We had this commitment to the business that regardless of whether we raised the round of investment or not, between us, uh, by hook or by crook, we would find the money. Uh, and More we would, crook, guys. Than, <laughs> uh, we would find the money, we would cover the salaries, and we'd get the business to where it needs to go. And to be honest, if that was the case, uh, you feel the sales focus we've had in the last two months. It mm. would have been this 12 months ago. We wouldn't have had the luxury of actually building out the product. Yeah, you, you touched on it a little bit. You were saying if, if you didn't go down this route, you would, if you'd done an, another way, then really all, it, all that would have changed was the sales focus might have kicked in a bit earlier. Yeah. Um, so how much thought did you, how much time did it take you to kind of really flesh out all of the pros and cons of both sides of that? Yeah, so I think it comes down to the fact that we knew the product that we needed to get to but we knew it wasn't a case of let's build the product and sell it. And that was a real kind of key factor for us mm. because we knew there'd be a big education for us as well as the people that we're trying to sell to. So we kind of work in a space that they're kind of very set in the ways. Um, they they had a, have a process that we know we can improve and it's not going to be an instant sell. And because of that, and because of the learning curve for us, because none of us are trade professionals, so we can build something that we think is perfect, but we needed to go to the market, yeah. uh, speak to them, work out, and there'll be this teething issues for the first three to six months. And because of that, we thought it makes sense for us to actually go and raise some money, build in a buffer, allow us to actually build a product that we're really proud of before we go and try and sell it. Um, and we kind of just agreed that's the best approach for us. So we said, okay, um, let's do a round. We know we want to build a big business. I'm going to look forward to the pressure. So let's take some VC money on board and, and really scale this thing. So capacity was one of the big reasons why it was time to build out the team and look for funding. Now let's talk a little bit more about whether this was all part of the plan or a reaction to what was going on within the business and what his experience of the funding process was really like. So um, the VC um, company got in touch and it started off with an initial fairly soft pitch meeting which is where you get your deck out and you walk people through. They've already seen it because you've sent it across to them and that kind of piques their interest. So then what they're trying to do is step one is meet the founder. Uh, is this someone that we trust and can execute? So it's not really high pressure. It's conversational. Let's walk through the deck. And if that went well, we knew we'd have to come and do a formal pitch to the decision makers in the company. So we did that, went back into the decision makers. And the key thing to understand when you go into something like this is they are responsible for deploying other people's money. So it's not a case of... Um, why should I invest? It's a case of, I shouldn't invest, prove me wrong. And they clearly mm. walk into those meetings with that attitude. They walk in and saying, you're not getting a penny from me unless you really prove to me why you're the guy, this is the company that's going to change the industry. Um, I think the, the closest thing I can uh, kind of refer back to it is when I did, so I did as you know, I did a, a, like six months in phase one, four months in phase one in the army, it wasn't for me. 
but during that process um you do in, you do interviews and you do some really tough q a sessions with corporals and bits like this that just don't give a shit about your feelings and it really toughens you up and kind of gives you an insight it kind of felt like that is these guys were completely unemotional about the people in the company and they really wanted to drive into one I say unemotional about the people. I want to tell that back. Step one, when I first did the initial pitch, they were trying to work out me. So they validated that I was a guy that could execute on this. Step two in that right. second meeting was very looking into the numbers. They'd done a lot of research about sort of what the industry looks like, what the problems people were facing. And they'd, they'd gone and looked at a lot of different areas that I wasn't expecting them to come and ask me about. But I think because I'd actually, I know, I know what we're doing um, because of that, that's probably why we got the investment because there were some four or five very, very smart individuals around this table and we needed to basically get buy-in from them all to whether this is a company that they want to invest in because it's a lot of time as well as money that they put into it. Um, so it was a very confrontational meeting, but I enjoy it. Um, that's the sort of world that I kind of relish in from doing trades professionals, builders, mm. merchant work. Um, every one of our members, I think, just has a no bullshit approach to life, which I really love. Um, and it was the same sort of environment. It was just, let's just get to the numbers and let's cut the shit. One thing I don't know a lot about is an MA, Adam. So can you tell me what an MA is? An M. Oh, okay. A management account. Yes. Oh, God. What a, um, <laughs> okay. So. You can give me the cliff notes. Yeah. Just to give you kind of a backstory is when, when I started the company out, my, what the one thing that I looked at was the bank balance. Like if that was healthy every month and I could pay the people what they need to get paid, suppliers, salaries, whatever, great. And then we took some seed funding and we actually took some seed funding from some, from some accountants. So that made us a bit more rigorous in terms of our accounting practices. Um, that's sort of when Alison came on board because I was horrendous at it. In terms of the bookkeeping and account management of the business, I'm terrible. And then we get a world of pain thrown at us when we need to start producing monthly accounts. So the management accounts every single month which itemize every line item in the business. And for someone that's listening to this that has a business, you'll know this is probably second nature to you now. And like for me now, it's very comfortable. But for the first six months of having to produce these management accounts, because it doesn't matter whether Alison forgets to put a number in or um, the supplier is actually paid, but it's not on there or the cash flow forecast, it all falls on me. Mm-hmm. And when you go into a meeting and your numbers are wrong, it really kills the credibility of the founder, which I learned very quickly. Okay. Um, so it made me learn that every number on that sheet, I need to... I basically spent a day and a half on doing a kind of a summary of the business and then looking over the numbers every single month. And that's a hell of a lot of time. Um, So management accounts are just line by line item of what's in the business. Um, You have a cash flow forecast um, and you also have a budget that we refer back to. It's just basically a health check of the business. What's owed, what's owing, uh, how are each of the services that we do. The kind of cliff notes of it is it's a lot of admin for us to do as a business. However, it has heavily focused us in terms of what we do, what's profitable and what we focus on. So overall, I hated it for the first three months because I just resented giving up a day and a half to sort these things out. Um, but now I really, really value it in terms of when I go into there, it makes me reflective over what we've done. I mean, look at the board. We know where we are month on month now. We know where we are day on day in terms yeah. of sales and, and engagement and users and all the good stuff. Um, so that's what the management accounts are. So once you've chosen the VC path and you're through the door, I wanted to know a little bit more about what kind of expectation Adam had, the type of questions and pushback he was going to get, and more about the admin side of what really goes into funding. So the process for us was relatively quick, relatively. Um, I would say in total it took 8 to 12 weeks to close the deal. 
So we do the first meeting, we do the pitch meeting, um, then we get basically um, an agreement in principle, um, sort of, hey, hit, we'll invest under these conditions. Just to make sure everything you've said is true, blah, blah, blah. Here's what we invest in, kind of a one-page doc. So we went through that. Um, and then once you sign that, that's when due diligence starts. And that's the real fun stuff, he says with a sarcastic grin on his I face. I wish you guys could see him. He's <laughs> literally like having like flashbacks uh, of it all. terrible. So due diligence is basically where this company is about to write a big check. All they've seen so far is me twice with a pitch deck. Mm-hmm. And I'm naturally a salesman. Like I could, say, I can say anything during that. I, I can get them over the line. But when you're talking about that much money, um, they do every bit of due diligence into it. So everything I said in meeting one, because they're taking minutes, which is notes for a meeting, everything that I said in meeting two, um, and every bit of document that we've sent over regarding numbers, metrics, revenue, engagement, they then take that away and say, great, open up your doors to everything. We need access to make sure everything you've said is true. Let's dig into the business. So they tear everything apart, your accounts, your database, everything. Um, so that's what due diligence was. So it takes up, that probably took up nine solid weeks of my life. Um, and when you've got, mm, there was five new people yeah. in the team at that point. I was also trying to learn how to manage a team that I was just in and out of all the time. Um, the business was just getting traction in certain areas that we now kind of nearly exclusively focus on. It was a really interesting time for the business because we'd hired you guys and you kind of settled into the role really well. And then all of a sudden, like nine weeks of my time, it just sapped completely yeah. out of it. So the kind of biggest lesson that I learned is when you're raising, try and ra- try and raise and close as quickly as possible because it's not easy. The easiest thing in the world was going in and getting the kind of agreement in principle. So um, getting that commitment from them was easy. Um, not going to lie about it. The follow-up stage is the tough bit. That's what drains you. Um, because you're, asked, you're being asked so many questions that you kind of second-guess yourself and say, well, I should know this, I should know this. But you have to say, let me check, let me check, let me check. Because there's just certain things that as a founder, you just don't check daily. Um and it kind of brings everything out onto the table that you need to get put in order. And, and I really appreciate the fact that I had Alice in there through that because yeah. that would have been really struggling. But it just takes up so much of your time, like an unbelievable amount of time and stress. Because when we made the decision to take VC money, we kind of had this deadline of when we needed to get it closed by. So we thought, actually, we need to get this closed by. But they will only move as quick as their solicitors do or both of our solicitors mm-hmm. do. Um, so that whole thing, it just took up in total three months, three months of 2015. Okay. And then just how long to take off your face? Because I know we've been talking about... <laughs> I'll cut this back. I'm just to see what you'd say. <laughs> no, you can leave it in. I don't mind. Like, if you look at photos of me a year ago, just before we started the round. Oh, there's a picture he posted. It's on Oh, it's on the Startup Diary Facebook. And it's one... It's definitely the one after he showed you the office where it all started. There's a picture of him. And look at that. And then I'll find, I will personally find a recent one. I'll take one today and I'll post it. And you tell me. We'll make it a side-by-side when we post this <laughs> yeah. into the group. Um, you tell me what you think. Yeah, honest, it honestly added a number of years onto me. It, it was just, it was new. It was stressful. I had more people's salaries to be worried about and making sure that they're settling in. There was just everything happened at one time. Um, it's just part and parcel of being a founder. Um, so yeah, raise quick. Best advice I can give. Adam has and does talk to us about the importance and the value of time. So I wanted to know his thoughts. 
about how he felt his time was being spent while having to handle all of the necessary due diligence and how important staying true to the vision of the company was as he sought new investment. Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And I think there's two different types of investors and it all depends on the round that they're investing in. So what happens normally in terms of a, like a lifespan of a business, a startup, is you get a seed round which is purely in the, like, it can even be pre-product. It's just, I believe you, you've got this vision. I believe in you. Here's a check, go make it happen. Seed round. And then you've got an A round, um, which is sort of the initial stages of VC. And then you've got sort of a B and a C. And what tends to happen further down, anything past an A round to a B round is it's looking purely at the data of the business. Um, obviously the vision and the space that it's in is really important. And a lot of VCs will specialize in what they invest in because they've got experience but they'll look at um, traction, they'll look at lifetime value of customers, and they'll basically look at, they're not trying to validate the product at that point in the later rounds. They are saying, you have a profitable business, and if we dump this 5 million quid into it, we're going to go from A to B to C all the way through. Um, Where can we take this with this money? That's when I believe that people are more interested in the actual metrics of the business. For where we are with the seed in the round we just did, the space and the problem that we were trying to solve was really key and topical for the conversations. And I wasn't interested in working with someone just for a check. So VC or not VC, uh, it was really important for me to work with someone that believed in what we were trying to build as a business. Because at the end of the day, like I have to, I get two or three, I got two emails from our VC company today. Um, they ask questions, they make introductions to companies for us. Uh, they are working behind the scenes to help us grow the business. And I want to work with someone that gets the vision and is not just focus solely on the bottom line the bottom line is important i know that Uh, but i don't want to work with someone that doesn't believe in what we're trying to build so we have a good fit with both the angels and our vc company that we work with everyone believes in the vision first uh, and then how we get there Uh, and then the revenue just is kind of kind of a secondary thought um, because we we know we're tackling a huge problem and if we crack it world our oyster to wrap it all up and staying on the topic of vision I left him with one last question on how he plans to instill that same vision into new members as the team grows out. That's a really cool question. Um, So I think the key thing to remember is no one is going to believe in the vision as much as me. It's just a fact. It's uh, it's my business. Mm -hmm. And I don't expect any of you guys to go home at night and lose sleep over the business plan. I'll stop then. I understand that in the business, everyone's got core roles and you have your own kind of hopes, fears, dreams about what you want to do in the next five years. The key thing is for me is making sure that the role that we're bringing people in for um, and the culture fit for working within our team, that's a priority. Mm-hmm. And just working in the space, if I find a really bright person um, that is a great culture fit, is will be a great person for that specific role, but they're just not really interested in the trade space, that's not an automatic no for me um, because the motivations around the role will be the leading factor of why they come to work every day. Um, I believe that over time, you guys, when you started the role, I don't believe you cared about trades. Yeah, at all. I mean, I'll, be the, I'll be the first to admit that I didn't know much about but, it. But you find tape measures and, and other things that we work with now sexy, like uh, the products that we build and sell now, you've naturally become really attached to, probably because that you've worked with the community and you understand how important it is for them. Mm. I don't think that I can hire someone that's going to fall in love with tradespeople from day one um, and the space that we work in. I just think that will naturally happen as they enjoy their role and get kind of build on their career. Makes sense. Um, so that's sort of how I think about it. Okay, 
Anything you want to add? One thing that I want to add is just from forums and posts and other podcasts is the thing that really annoys me and the biggest lesson that I learned about raising around is it changes absolutely nothing, literally nothing. And you think when you're raising around, wow, I'm going to get six figures sent to my bank on this day. And that is going to be the golden bullet. And we're going to make this super successful and it's going to scale overnight. It doesn't change a thing. It adds more responsibility because you're dealing with larger sums of money. You can go and test more marketing and hire people to do the job. But at the end of the day, if you're putting money into a bad idea or into the wrong people, it's still going to fail. When the money lands, you'll do this thing. Everyone does it. You'll go and you'll go and get a bank statement and you'll be like, holy shit. And you'll walk back into the office and you'll realize nothing has changed. So if anyone is listening to this and they're trying to raise money and they think it's the end goal, you've got it completely the wrong way around. It's merely just a stepping stone to kind of get into the end vision and don't think it's anything more than that. No, I like that a lot. I think I think a lot of people sort of romanticize the idea of sort of dragon's den sort of thing as well. It's yeah. a bit different, obviously, because that's more angel, but the idea of getting the investment and then the, the movie ends when really it's literally just the start. It's because literally start. just the start of it. So yeah. just make sure that if you are trying to raise money for the sake of raising money, that you kind of take a reality check because it changes nothing the next day when you come into work. So there you have it, guys. A bit of a longer episode, but one I'm sure that a lot of you can take some value away from. Thank you very much for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time on The Startup Diary.